Beginning with uh, verse 13 from Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ or through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I parted from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance, and I am amply supplied, having received from Ephroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We've looked at this passage and uh, covered several different uh, uh, points that are a part of the principle of sharing. Uh, the word share, as you see in verse 14, is mentioned uh, several times to this passage, three different times. And, and what, what you're finding is a linking of verses 14 through 19 to verse 13, where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And strength becomes a link to the previous verse, which has to do with contentment, the secret of contentment. How is a man to be content with his life? Is that he learns how to be strengthened by God in any circumstance. But how is a man to be strengthened? And one of the ways that a man is to be strengthened according to this passage is verse 14. And what you find that Paul is saying is, I have been afflicted. Now, contentment does not mean the absence okay, of affliction. It doesn't mean that the circumstance is necessarily changing. The difficulty of the circumstance is not necessarily changing. And uh, in my walk in life, I, I find that you know life seems to uh, have a tendency to get more difficult and more stressful at times. In other words, it seems like the, the screws just keep coming down at times. In other words, you get one event that starts your stress or a conflict or a sense of struggle, or affliction. And you pray about that, and what you find is that there is no real answer to that prayer in terms of what you wish it was, in other words, the removal of the affliction. In fact, you get another affliction. And you pray about those two afflictions, hoping that God will remove those afflictions, and you're struggling to find contentment. Okay, And what happens? You get another affliction. And life is not necessarily a series of, well, you get an affliction, you pray, and it goes away. You get an affliction, you pray, and it goes away. Unfortunately, most Christians believe that that's the way it is. In other words, we really sense inside that all we have to do is pray, and God and his blessing and his grace and his goodness will remove the affliction. But that's not the case. 
And that's something we need to be very, very, very much aware of. Now, I can sit here and tell you that, but you don't really believe that. In other words, I don't believe it either. <laughs> In other words, we know this up here. But when we pray, almost consistently our prayer is remove the, the affliction. That, that is almost consistently what we're going to do. And it is not wrong to pray that way. In fact, we find that the affliction in Paul's life is actually removed here. But there had been an affliction that had gone on for a period of time. So we need to be aware of that and understand that because that is something that we have a tendency in our walk with God. And, and what we find is is a great disappointment when we pray and that affliction is not removed immediately. And and then when another affliction comes on top of that and another affliction comes on top of that, you, you can have a real tendency to start really having trouble with your faith. And what Paul is saying in verse uh, 12, 11 and 12, link to 13 and then link to 14, is essentially he has found the secret of being able to live through those afflictions, okay, in contentment. And that's a big secret. And we studied that, and we're not going to go over that at any great length, but the secret is a strength that is found in Christ. Now that sounds very, very nebulous, and it is. And, you, and we've done some studies on that, and I'm continuing doing studies on it because I need this strength. But that is the key. The key to contentment is a strength that is found in Christ. Okay? In his presence, in your rest in him, in your trust in him, in your love for him, in his enveloping of, of you in the midst of it. That's the strength. And there are some very practical things that God does in a man's life to bring that to you, and one of them is verse 14. Paul basically says that strength comes from God, not only from himself, but through other people. The affliction was there. He was resting in Christ. He was asking for the strength of Christ. And what Christ did, what God did for him, is send the Philippians. Send a gift. A physical, tangible, real, meaningful gift. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, something that was just a, uh, like a hermit going off and having kind of, a, uh, an apocalyptic type of, uh, of experience with God that, you know, held him through the whole thing. This, this was real. Something that was very, very tangible. And time and time again, God will use people over and over and over. It's a major principle in terms of a man's affliction that God will use people to bring strength. Okay? And that means you and me. And we've already discussed this. I won't go on any great length. This is the first big principle, but it is the major principle, so I want to make sure we get it before we pass on, is that your, your significance in life has a great deal with your sharing of 
what God has given to you. The significance of your life has a great deal to do with your ability to interact with some other people who need the presence of God in their life, and that presence is found through you. And that has to do with your children, it has to do with your friends, it has to do with your family members, it has to do with the people that you meet every day, a gas, you know, attendant uh, on a gas station. That becomes the significance of your life, is the sharing. Okay, is the sharing. And so we have to be, we have to get into that because sharing is equal to strength. In relationship to what we see here in this passage. Any questions on that? That's the first major principle. The second major principle is what we looked at last week has to do <coughs> with uh, verse, verse 15 and it has to do with the principle of giving and receiving. Giving and receiving which has to do with the issue of sharing. And we looked at this in two different places in the Word of God, two different principles that come under this, giving and receiving. And that has to do with uh, Matthew 10, verse 8, where it says, Freely you have received, freely give. So you're picking up the two principles again. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay. Now, what, what that really has to do with is what causes a man, what motivates you as a Christian to give? One of the greatest motivations, if not the primary motivation, is your own sense of the grace of God that has been freely given to you. When you have mapped that out in your mind, when you have felt that deep in your soul, then essentially it is the motivational power that makes you move to give to somebody else. Now, you could do it because you feel as though you should be obedient, because we're going to look at some other principles here that have to do with reward. And a lot of times you do things because you feel as though you're going to get something out of the sharing, and that's actually the next, next principle. It's true you do. But the main thing is, is that what really, if you, if you look at yourself and you say, why is it that I don't seem to share with other people? Why is it that I'm struggling with the idea of that? I think one of the main reasons is is that you have really not really understood and participated in the free grace of God in your life. It, it causes you to be awakened to all that God has poured into you and how he's done that free. He's given that to you freely. And it causes your own soul to want to do that same thing with somebody else. It makes you move and be a participant in the midst of that sharing. So we looked at that last week. We also looked at the next principle, which is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 8, 38, which goes under the uh, princi big principle of giving and receiving. Give, and it shall be given to you. Press down. Overflowing. And this principle that has to do with giving and receiving is, is that whenever you give to somebody, you will always find God returning something to you, which stimulates you to give. Stuart Briscoe said that his uh, mother-in-law 
was one of the greatest people who he knew how that that goes into the principle of giving and sharing. And he asked her one time, why is it that you do it? Well, it sounded a little selfish. But she, she handed this verse to him. And she said, I don't want you to, to do something that I want to give. In other words, don't step in my way of giving to somebody because I get so much out of it. Don't, don't rob me of the joy. Okay. And she says, I, it, it, it's been an experience that just has multiplied and multiplied and multiplied in terms of my joy. It is joy in my life. So you may look at yourself, which I have to look at my own self. One of the principles that I find most difficult in the Word of God is the principle of joy. And you might ask yourself, well, maybe one of the reasons that there's not as much joy in our lives is because we have not given enough. And as you can see, gift, gifts have to do with money. This, Paul actually received money here. But if you read this letter, you find the encouragement of the Philippians, their lives and their participation in his life, which he emphasizes next. Okay. And then Epaphroditus and the gift of Epaphroditus to them, to him, his, his fellowship and his being with Paul. That was the greatest gift. So, so the money was very definitely a part of what was going on. But it was, it was not the thing that really meant so much to him. It was, it was people in terms of their lives. Any question on that particular principle? So those, those are the first two big principles that we looked at. One is the gift of giving and receiving, and the other one has to do with the whole concept that affliction is essentially taken care of. The strength of God is given by people sharing their lives with other people. Mm -hmm. well, any other comments or questions? Okay. All right, let's go to the third principle, which has to do with verse 16. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. This is the persistency or the persistence in sharing. Okay? In other words, it's, it's an attitude and it's something that, that goes on for a period of time or, or, or a lifetime. Sharing is not meant to be, well, I give it once and then that's it. And, for instance, right now we as a church are very much in the process. Uh, two weeks ago, we were only at 50% of what we needed in terms of the Moldova trip. <clears throat> and so Carlin mentioned that in the sermon. And then, you know, people just stepped right up quickly, and we were 100% in terms of the giving to the Moldova group of people that are going, with Tom leading. And... Uh, it's, uh, you know, that's an amazing thing that God moved that many people to move that quickly to fulfill that need, to show what's going on. But this principle means that our church had better be at the process of a consistency. In other words, there better be not just money given, but lives given, which, of course, there are a large number of lives being given from our church going over there. But our church better be supportive in prayer and any other kinds of needs that rise from that occasion should be something that we should take on. 
Because in reality, it's like God opened a door for our church to be a part of something. And if our church doesn't move through the door and consistently follow through, because you can always get this initial push, you know, and then all of a sudden everything drops. And yet that's not what God is saying. This, this group of people followed Paul to his death. Time and again. Okay, in his ministry. And that's the, something that you need to be think, you know, thinking of when you're particip- participating in a person's life. A lot of times, God does call you to come in and do something and you just have to move on and your lives separate. But very rarely does that occur. Okay? What you find in Paul, one of the things that is so amazing about his life is that when he shared his life with a person, that life was with him forever. If you look at Romans, which we did when we studied the book of Romans in the last chapter, last chapter 16, what you do is go through this long list of people that he mentions, and we looked at all the different people he mentioned. And what you find is, is he goes clear back to the very beginning of his ministry. And he is tracked and prayed and given his life to these people that he has ministered to from the very beginning. He has not lost them. Now, that, that, that in some ways is a bit uh, daunting, but at the same time, you look back in your past. Who's got, who has God brought into your past that perhaps you have forsaken in your prayer life or your contact with? In other words, you, you, God used you in this person's life. They, they were, you were a source of strength, but they also gave to you because God enriched, enriched your life with your significance in the kingdom. But did you allow that to drop? Okay, Are you still praying? Are you still in contact? Are you still following these people as your life has gone on? I believe that that's the richness of our life. It is the tapestry of our life. It is the significance in the kingdom. If you drop these people, if you drop all that God is doing back here, what you find is all you've got is for the day and what God's doing this day. But if you provide all this back here, it becomes a remembrance to you, a glory to you, a beauty to you of your own life and the significance of God using that life and sharing. But you have to continue that. That persistency must be there okay, in relationship to our lives. And Paul, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, okay, if you want to turn to that for just a minute, we'll look at it, because it is the great chapter of giving in the Bible. <clears throat> the principles are really laid out in that chapter, but we won't go into all of them, because this is another chapter that really talks about giving. We're, we're in it right this minute. <clears throat> you don't hear very often about it. Plus, uh, in, in Paul's case, the loyalty had to do with the sentence. You know, he, he was going to be put to death. He was an enemy of the state. Okay, and and what you find is that the Philippian church is the only church that we know of, anyway, that stepped up at the very end and provided for him in the middle of this. It is the loyalty. Okay, because very often when a person goes down or has struggles or 
something is, uh, uh, you know, going on that you're not sure about or whatever, what you have a tendency to do is drop them. I mean, you don't have to be that close to them anyway, <clears throat> but you just kind of move away from them. So, this particular chapter, chapter 8, is talking about the Philippians. It's talking about the Philippian church versus the Corinthian church. That's what it's talking about. Now, it's not just the Philippians. It is the Macedonian churches. But Philippi was the major church in that group of churches that really ministered to Paul. <clears throat> so it is talking about the Philippians versus the Corinthians more likely. He says, now brethren, we wish, and he's talking to the Corinthians, we wish to be, make it known to you uh, the grace of God which was given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty over, overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Verse 7, But just as you abound in everything, he is now talking to the Corinthians. He says, But just as you abound in everything, in faith, utterance, and knowledge, he says you have an enormous amount of gifts, Corinthians. You also have a lot of money. He didn't say that directly. But they're a far more wealthy group. But they're also spiritually wealthy. He said, just, just like you. I mean, they have their abundance, you have your abundance. In all earnestness and in love, we inspire in you, see that you abound in the gracious work. I'm not speaking this as a command but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love. Persistency in giving is a demonstration of sincerity of love. You, you can say to somebody, you know, I love you. Those are just words. It is the persistency of your care for that person over a long period of time that demonstrates your love. How do your children really know that you love them? Well, it's a long, long haul of persistence. And you're giving to them and sharing with them that becomes the truth of the matter. But without that persistency, without that long haul, there really isn't any real clarification of what love means. So it's a real demonstration. And so really this is what Paul is telling them that he uh, approves of and shows and feels within his own heart. So if you're, if you're going to strengthen somebody, you need to go with that person. Okay? If you're going to strengthen them, you need to go with them for the long haul. And I have found more than anything else in my life that God has asked me in terms of a persistency for my love for a particular group of people or a person, it has to do with prayer. Because I very often I lose them in locality. In other words, they're not near me. Okay? But God has asked me because I've participated in their life okay, that I don't drop them 
And the more that I have found myself praying for people, the more I understand the significance of my own life. As God has opened door after door after door for different people to be a part of, that sharing becomes really the thing that strengthens me as well as them. I, I, I wait to see what God, because I don't know what my prayer life is doing even. I mean, these people are gone far down the road. You know? And so, but, but those will be the treasures that you find in heaven. When you get there, he'll show you what your prayers did. <clears throat> okay, any questions on that one? All right, the next principle, principle four, is in verse 17 in Philippians. So if you want to flip back there. <clears throat> Not that I seek the gift itself, that I seek for the profit which increases to your account, but I have received everything in full. Every single word that you see there, almost every word that's in this verse, is a shift. In other words, by Paul's writing style. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit increases in your account. All the, And then the word, but I have received. All of these are actual financial terms. Every single one of them. They have to do with gain. They have to do with interest on an account. They have to do, when he says, I have received, that actually is a bill of sale. I received in full. We've signed a contract and I received the contract in full. So every word he uses there is a financial term. And his description of what it is a person gains by sharing. What profit did you get? And he turns to financial terms to describe it. He actually is saying there's literally something going on here that causes you to increase in your account. Okay, Sharing allows you to increase in your future account. When they say you can't take it with you, they're dead wrong. It's the truth. You can take it with you. Okay? If you share with somebody, that will be placed in your account in the future. If you don't really believe that, you probably do, but Matthew 6, 19 and 20, describe it. You've heard this before. <clears throat> Do not lay up yourselves treasures upon earth where moths and rust destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Then in Matthew 10, 42, a verse that Carlin shared in relationship to reward, he basically said, even the sharing of a cup of water will with somebody else. 
who needs a drink will not go unnoticed and will be credited to your account. (coughs) So every single dollar you give literally goes with you. It is a treasure that is laid up in a place that does not rust or disappear. Every time you give, or every time you put it in something that basically rusts and, de- and deteriorates, and everybody in this room, you know, understands that everything you buy rusts and deteriorates. <laughs> you can't keep it from doing so, and and so uh, that's what he's saying. He says you should balance that out. Make sure that you do something that will profit you. If, if you're if you're looking for profit. Here's the best way to receive profit in terms of your lot. Okay? Any questions on that? Or other thoughts? Okay? Number five is uh, next verse, <clears throat> verse 18. But I have received everything in full and have abundance, and I am amply supplied, having received from Ephaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. This particular verse has to do with worship. It has to do with the sacrifice of our lives, It has to do with what is well-pleasing to God. So really, for the first time, you have the intimacy of God in the equation. In other words, this is the first time God is really brought into this particular set of verses. And what he's basically saying at the very end of this set of verses is that what you have done when you share with another person like this has caused God himself to react. In other words, it it is when he looks at your life and says, well good, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I am well pleased with your life. And so a lot of times you wonder, well what is it that I can do? What, what, What is it that causes me to have that title given to me that has to do with sharing a mile of life with a person who is in affliction person who is in need. And again, that is the significance that you have available to you every day, and that will not go unnoticed, and it is something that is extremely well-pleasing in the mind and the heart of God as you reach to another person. And it also has to do with what we would call our own (coughs) sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, it says, present your lives as a living sacrifice. And and sometimes that's like a big nebulous term. What do you mean by that? Okay, How do I I present myself as a living sacrifice? Well, this is a part of that equation. In other words, you are more cognizant and you will participate in the sharing of your lives with another person today. And that becomes a sacrifice. Now that sacrifice, even though it is a sacrifice, in other words, it's a giving up of yourself to somebody, even your money, 
Okay. But when you do that, it all it comes back to you as profit, and it comes back to you as something that God fills up with your life, with Himself, and all the kinds of things that, that basically are given. You can't outgive Him. And to, to kind of nail this, we have the last principle, verse 19. <clears throat> And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and the glory in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> what that basically is saying is that when a man participates, when a woman participates in the sharing of his life with somebody else and reaches out to them in terms of their affliction, causes the strength of God to move to them, what God says, I promise to you that I will take care of your need. You, the sharer, I promise to you, I will supply. And the word supply means to fill up your need. Not everything you want, but your need. I will fill up. I promise to you, as the sharer, I will fill up your need. That, that is the promise. That's the principle. And what's the tape measure? Okay, How much is he going to fill up? Well, fill up means to the top. But, but what, what's that mean? What's the gauge? If a billionaire promises to give $5,000 or $15,000 or $30,000 or $50,000 to a particular charitable situation, to all of us, that's an awful lot of money. But to a billionaire, it's not much money. Okay? If the billionaire promised to give a billion dollars, then he is measured up to what his potential is in terms of giving. This is the tape measure that God sets. He says to you, I will give, I will supply to you your needs according to tape measure to the riches that are in the glory of my son. That's my promise. I will supply to you in terms of your needs. How much will I supply? I will supply to you the riches that are in the glory of my son. Okay? It's an enormous promise in relationship to what's going on. Okay, any questions on that? Hmm? <laughs> Good. Feed everybody to it, baby. But, you know, I can under definitely understand. Uh, you know, when you give to your church, to your church, to other <coughs> Christian organizations, Christian groups. But I was wondering, really, what does God look with the same kind of favor when you give to other genuine charitable organizations, secular organizations, that uh, you know meet people's needs and so forth? I wonder, do they? Do you think? Well, what do you think? I'm not going to just be an answer man here. What do you think? You're saying yes, why? Well, I think God looks at our heart maybe, but if we're trying to do it, it doesn't even, I don't think we have to be a very charitable organization. If 
it was given to someone who was in need. He says, give a cup of cold water to somebody in need. And so give a cup of cold water to a Christian. Yeah, to a Christian. So it's clearly needy. And they didn't need not to get that, but because they are in need and because Christ did that. Yeah. Christ saved all of us when we were certainly not worthy or Christian. Or right, right. <laughs> you know. So I think, yeah, we give to God, first of all, I like to give to you. Okay. Any other comments? Very, very good. I think instead of maybe just giving money, you may give what's really needed. Uh, like the people on the street, you come across people on the street, they ask you for, for a dollar or something. Uh, uh, you don't know what they're going to do with that dollar. I would just then go buy some food and, and give them some kind of, kind of needs that way. Okay. Okay. Anything else? We we need to pull out all of these principles together, and the and the, and the word brings them all together too. For instance, when when the first opening of the door of Russia occurred, the Christian community moved in and supplied an enormous amount to the Russian people, but then they withdrew. Now there were a large number of people who stayed. In other words, there were a lot of Christian organizations that persisted in this area. But one of the things that really turned off a lot of the Russian people when, when you talked to them and some of the missionaries who were there who had been there all their lives, like, uh, uh, what's Mug's first name? Jim Mug. Okay. His comment was, is these people come in and just shower people with money. You know, which was good. He didn't, he didn't say that that was wrong. But all of a sudden the hand was removed. You know, and so there's a lot to all of this. And we certainly don't want to see it in terms of money, because money has never been mentioned here. Okay? It is the life of a person reaching to another life who is afflicted. And that could be monetary. I mean, it certainly can be that way. But for Paul, it was really a gift to these people, their souls that came to him, and Epaphroditus that came to him. So, so we've got to be careful about looking at it in terms of money. Because uh, when you ever talk about sharing or gifts, it's always money. And what you see here is not money really mentioned. So you got to be careful about that, because these principles have to do really with the persistence of a person's life involved so in terms of what's going on. Why, <clears throat> well, there are things, I, I, I agree with that too, because I know that there are times when you do that and you're not sure where that's going to go. Yeah. Okay. But then there are other times where you can be more wise in terms of that and, 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 and see that through. It's not that the prompting is wrong. It's just that you try to use the gift that will cause them to be better. Okay. Well, we need to close. We're, we're past. There are five minutes already. We could go on forever here. So we will uh, see you next week. And we appreciate all your comments. Good to have all of you this morning. I don't think people should look down upon the gift of money, though. Oh, no, no.